Good evening and welcome to Crown Corner on this 22nd of June, 2022. Will Pelagic, Jessica Charman here with you. Uh, Jess is on location because she has a match to call tonight. I am still in my uptown digs for a little bit longer. We hope you are joining us wherever you might be listening or watching us on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube, or listening on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Jess, uh, a bit of a... I don't want to say unsettling draw, but I feel like we saw some positives with the comeback, but some people unsatisfied with the way the game ended against Columbus Crew this past weekend. Yeah, well, I think it was a really mixed performance in terms of positives and negatives when it comes to this match. I do understand that there were some disappointments regarding, you know, the way that maybe we didn't go for that win. But at the same time, I think we've learned a bit of a lesson about going for wins away from home and the risk that it takes. When I look at the substitutions, which I think is the main criticism from most of the people that have criticism about those decisions, my only concern is maybe Latanzio waited to make a move after Caleb Porter made a move. Caleb mm. Porter, the Columbus crew coach, made huge decisions to go for three points. He brought on some really promising attacking youth. And when that happened, it meant that Latanzio had to react and change the way that we were playing to hold on to that point. But the biggest thing where we have to remember is you made several comments on the broadcast about how scrappy it looked, how we were clinging on for dear life in those moments. So I can only imagine on the flip side, if we'd have brought on those attacking subs, if we'd have taken risks, if we'd gambled getting bodies forward, you know, we could have had another Atlanta on our hands. Yeah, I know you and I had a little bit of banter during the contest. Like you really loved the compactness and the basically togetherness that we defended with. And I, I just, for me, it, it looked like for at, at times, it looked like we were kind of letting the, the Columbus crew dictate a lot of the, the terms of the match, especially early on. Uh, I know that once the goal happened, we, we played a much more confident side or as a much more confident side. But I do feel like at times we had some opportunities to go forward and just, you know, instead preferred to, to let Columbus enjoy the possession. Now, I don't know if I enjoyed it. I think what I liked about it was we showed a nitty gritty side. We showed that physicality. We showed that we were able to cling on to have that last ditch mentality with the defending and that we survived the point. Now, I would have much rather we didn't have to play that way. I would have much rather we'd have had it in a more successful, like you say, free throwing, free throw. Uh, flowing rather let me get my words out ready for this broadcast but True. I think my biggest criticism of this side is how we played in the first half in particular mm -hmm. I don't think we found our wing players in McKinsey Gaines or Andre Shinyashiki nearly enough I think that we were uh, very scrappy in the midfield and I think that's where we lost the opportunity to get three points on Saturday we didn't have that connectivity in the midfield that we had against the New York Red Bulls we didn't have that passing cleanness we didn't have have the link up play uh, at times and then also obviously what's disappointing is the way that we conceded a goal not only was it a horrific goal to concede another horrific goal in that sort of nature of playing out the back but the timing right before halftime couldn't have got much worse for us will it definitely was and we'll get into that we'll get into everything uh, across the board uh, matthew says it was an unfortunate goal conceded that doesn't happen we walk with three points that's certainly true we'll let you hear the ups and downs of what we saw and heard in the match on saturday with our charlotte fc game montage <laughs> High back post looking ahead by Shinishiki missed it off the right post and it'll be a goal kick for Columbus. Andre Shinishiki has his head in his hands. He knows given that much space with that floated delivery, he's got to find the target. 
Forward is Hurtado. 1v1 against Walks. Hurtado got around Walks, but not around Harrison Awful, who makes the play, but a slide tackle there made by Barry. Awful's able to control it, though. Give Anton Walks some credit. It's brilliant from Walks. He gets a back heel on the ball to take it away. Foot races won by Walks. Back to Kalina. Kalina lost the control, and Barry puts it home. And Eric Hurtado will get credit for the goal as Kalina tried to play it out the back, and Columbus Crew strikes first at home. Face forward. Here's Ortiz in the area. Ortiz a shot. Rebound for Shinyashiki. They score! Andre Shinyashiki with the secondary rebound! And Charlotte stay on level in the 50th minute! And that was a better shimmy than we've ever done. That was a real dance move from Andre Shinyashiki. Going with it now is Gaines, right side. Gaines with the cross into the area. It pinballs back to Bender, who had an opportunity, but could not control it and find the ball. Best service we've seen from McKenzie Gaines, though. Left side for Molino. Molino into the area. Molino with a shot. Save Kalina! Biggest moment of the match for Charlotte FC on defense as Kalina tidies it up in the 82nd minute. Diaz into the area. Diaz on the right side with a cross. Stabbed out by Anton Walks for a corner kick. Masterclass. Tomachinsky playing into the middle of the park for Alcivar. Alcivar to the middle and looking forward is Shinishiki. Shinishiki on a goal. Shinishiki with a chip. He missed it left side. That is it. Final whistle comes from Silvio Petrescu. And that is full time. Charlotte FC plays to a 1-1 draw at Columbus. That is how it sounded on the Charlotte FC radio network on Saturday. And getting more comments, including one from Kate about the conservative approach to play. Again, a point on the road is not something you, in this league, turn your nose up at. I, I understand a side had a lot of players coming in that normally would have played for them that don't usually, but at the same time, this is a game I feel like, I hate to be so brash and braggadocious about this, this is a game the previous manager of this club would lose, Jess. Yeah, I think that it was important that we picked up a point. At the end of the day, we have to look back at how often we've got points this season and on the road, you know, and we'd only had one draw across all the other matches before that. So I think we need to try and twist it into a positive at times. Latanzio is still unbeaten and he displayed a different style of managing in terms of his game management than maybe we've seen. I do understand the frustrations because this did feel in moments like it was a winnable game. But at the end of the day, I don't think we'd be having as many conversations about the substitutions, about if that was really a problem if we had conceded a goal, if we'd have gone for mm -hmm. it, if he'd have made different substitutes, we wouldn't have different made those comments. And on the same side, if Andre Chinyashiki had put that one in the back of the net, we're still not sure if it would have been pulled back for offside, but he didn't think so. If Andre had buried that one home, then we definitely wouldn't have been criticizing the subs either, would we? Yeah, it's, it's weird. Andre thought he was offside. And a little funny thing about Andre's shot that actually did go in, that we'll talk about a little bit later on, our pal Scotty uh, says he wants to know why uh, no Vargas, and it's weird because Vargas has been missing from action in the first two matches under Christian Latanzio, and I think he's one of the guys who we thought would, you know, really feature prominently after the departure of Miguel Angel Ramirez, and we'll see whether or not we see him this week, but uh, I think the fact that Latanzio has felt comfortable with the top three that he's had there, I think stands to reason that he at least found some momentum with those three. Now, you add back in Karol Svidersky and Camille Juzviak to the action this week, I think it creates a much different scenario when it comes to this Montreal squad on, on how they decide to line up. Definitely. And what we have to remember is that we had a starting lineup. And one of the reasons we haven't maybe seen Vargas is because Latanzio wasn't opting to change his front three. It wasn't like he was picking a different player to put in ahead of him. It's more so that, you know, he didn't want to make those attacking substitutes. He wanted to give those players more game time. And when he did make the substitutions, he made them more defensive minded. Look, I think Vargas is a player that's going to have a lot of potential ahead of him. I do think that he has to adjust to the league. There's a huge difference about where he came from to MLS. And maybe that's something that Latanzio is keeping in his mind as well. But I do agree with you, Will. I think he's a player that when the time comes and he does get into action, he can have a really big impact on this side. And I'm hoping we see it very soon. Keep the questions and comments coming. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Plenty of you guys that can uh, weigh in on everything that you might have seen in the match. And we'll definitely answer them as we go throughout our hour with you here on Crown Corner. Uh, here's Christian Latanzio on why they decided to play it a little bit more conservatively and take the point against Columbus. 
we went back because at one point uh, uh, we find difficult to to build in the way that we wanted, and therefore we stayed on one side and uh, we became we stayed back and we couldn't go higher as we wanted, and so. My rule is that if I can win, at least I don't want to lose. So I, towards the end, I could see that they were doing a little bit what Rebels did and throwing uh, strikers and attacking players. So I solidified. I wanted the team to come away at least with a point. And that's the thing I think to remember, Jess, is that it's not as if, you know, Latanzio just decided arbitrarily at the 60th minute, I'm shutting it down. I'm not going forward. They had opportunity. They tried going forward. They and they just they could not. You mentioned it perfectly. We did not have a good game from our attacking midfield. Bender and Ortiz were were not on the form that they had been at at least in the game last week against Red Bulls and especially with Bender two weeks ago against Seattle. So at least in my mind, the, the real problem was that we were not able to connect into the last third, and that was a real real issue. Yeah, and I think that. We had mentioned so many times how important this midfield is going to be to us winning that game. Columbus Crew had the likes of Darlington Nagby, a quality player in that midfield position. I think before the match in the pregame show, we were talking, Will, about how that was the battle that needed to be won in order for Charlotte FC to get three points out. Well, that battle for us was a very weak bat, unfortunately. We didn't find the connectivity. One of the things I emphasized as being so successful against the New York Red Bulls was the way that Ben Bender and Titi Ortiz were able to connect. They were able to mm. be on the same page, the same wavelength. That just didn't look like the case uh, against the Columbus crew. And when they were struggling, when they weren't able to connect and link up with our attacking midfielders, our wingers, if they weren't able to feed the ball to Rios nearly as much, it was always going to be a struggle. And I think because they had a weaker performance, they made Columbus crew look a little better than perhaps they should have. Now, one other thing to remember is the fact that Charlotte FC, at least when they concede first, had not necessarily had a good run of play against these teams. And when you think about the way that they had played, they were 1-7 coming into the contest in games where they had conceded first. Well, they added a draw to that, and I think that's one thing that Christian Latanzio took from this contest as a positive. I know that our, our boys are really uh, a good bunch that can come back against anyone. And so I had faith in them. And because and another testament to them is the fact that Columbus start with a different system instead of three central defenders. So uh, we found difficulties for the boys, for us to understand how to press them. Uh, once we got uh, ourselves a little bit more organized, and the best time to do it, unfortunately, is half time because you can give instruction on the pitch, but the game is going on. And for as much as you can say, but this is good to have these difficulties because we will find this and uh, again, and we will be able to solve it. And that's the thing that I feel like you come back and you say is at least, hey, five minutes into the second half, you're already back to level. And I know that you feel hard done by the goal that they conceded. I think we've talked ad nauseum about how very inexcusable it is. But as we've said, and as Christian Latanzio said after the contest, Kalina's saved their butt so many times. I feel like it's one where you, you let it happen. You don't condone it, but at the same time, you find a way to get yourself back and get yourself back to level. Yeah, definitely. And I think you saw from the players how important it was for them. Kalina's a role model in their team. He's a player that they look up to. And like you say, has saved their behind on multiple occasions. It was really important for them to make sure that that wasn't a game-losing goal. They came out of the halftime break really well. They had that momentum. They connected really nicely. There was a cute dummy in the goal. And Shinya Shiki buries an opportunity off of the shot from Titi Ortiz. But unfortunately, after that moment, we didn't continue really in that same way. There were just glimpses of that connection. There were glimpses of that ability, but it just wasn't consistent enough. I do think, though, Will, like you say, one thing we have to remember is this is a side that hasn't done well from the losing position. And it would have been very easy after conceding a goal like that to really beat yourself up, whether it be the defenders, whether it be the goalkeeper, feel sorry for yourself, be frustrated, whatever. They didn't really show that sorriness for themselves they went out and they went to try and make up for what they did wrong however you say about it being excusable because of the way Kalina's played listen I'm the biggest Christian Kalina fan out there but this has now become not just a one-off thing it's become something that we're seeing on multiple occasions they're not always punished by a goal but just not having that 
correct first touch. Just being a bit lax in possession is starting to feed into the match a little bit too much. I think that's something that the goalkeeping staff will be working with Christian Kalina on because we cannot afford to concede more goals like that this season. Very much so. Uh, but the goal that they did score to get themselves back to equalized was by Andre Shinyashiki, who has become a fan favorite. He's a favorite of ours. And we both thought that he struck that ball perfectly. But when you ask him, he has a different story to tell. I'm not taking the credit away from myself. I definitely <laughs> think that there, I still struck the ball pretty well. And uh, it went somewhat where I wanted. But what, what, I, what I meant, it was more in the sense that things are clicking for me here. And that's what that's what it's good. You know, I have, what, I think four goals in six, seven games or something, two assists. So numbers are pretty incredible. And so uh, that's what I mean when I said that that was a little bit of luck. The tide turned a little bit for me. You know, in Colorado, I feel like that ball, that ball doesn't go in. So he said he basically mishit the ball, which I found somewhat hilarious about that. And I don't want him to keep saying that because then it makes my commentary look rubbish because I basically expressed how he hit it in the one place he had to to score. I thought he did a great job of mishitting it then because it really was a difficult ball to strike right. It came out at him pretty quick and there was traffic in the way. So for him to mishit it and still find the back of the net, good job, Andre. We've had a lot of great initiatives over the course of this Charlotte FC season. We'll have the Pride Night coming up on June 30th. But another great initiative that we had this past weekend was the initiative involving Juneteenth and the great jerseys and kits that we saw, uh, the numbering that really was a, a real awesome thing that MLS did to promote that initiative. And we'll have a couple of guests on today to help do that as well. And our first guest today is none other than the Ghana native Harrison Awful. Uh, unfortunately, we had a little bit of internet connectivity issue with Jess and we can, when we recorded this interview, so I had to do it solo, but we were able to talk to somebody who's become a fan favorite with this squad in King Harrison. Here on Crown Corner, as we go inside the training ground, Charlotte FC's right back Harrison Awful joins us as we uh, have an opportunity to talk to him about the season at large and, and what it's been like for him. Harrison, thank you so much for taking some time. How are things? Thank you for having me. Everything is fine. So I obviously want to touch on what it meant for you to play at your old stadium in Columbus. You were there from 15 till last season. Uh, we saw you before the contest giving high fives and handshakes to the fans and then the, the great ovation that you got coming off the pitch in Columbus. What did that moment and just the game itself mean to you from the love that you got from them? Yeah, I mean, it means a lot to me. I mean, um, to spend six years in Columbus and then going back, playing against them to get a, a warm homecoming, you know, ovation, I mean, it was, it was great for me. And this is one thing I'll never forget in my career. And um, I mean, stepping on the field, it was all smiles on my face, you know, because uh, also seeing old friends, I mean, it was it was great. And it, I enjoyed myself. I also feel like, too, you know, this is something that's singularly important to soccer because I feel like, you know, the way that that teams and fan bases connect with players is so unique. How have you seen that same kind of thing develop with the Charlotte FC fan base? Because I know that you, you've gotten a lot of moments to, to spend with them and uh, – and they very much have enjoyed your play so far. Yeah, I think the fans are um, one important um, people that makes it more um, fun for us, you know, or part of the game. They are part of the game, so they make it more fun for us. Then uh, without them too, we are nothing. So, I mean, anywhere we are, anywhere we go, um, we are just lucky and blessed for them to be always supporting us. Obviously, when you think about your position, uh, you and Jalen Lindsay have taken the lion's share of the time at right back. I know Jalen started the season. You've worked your way into the lineup. What has it been like between the two of you? I know that we always talk about how great healthy competition is, but but what has the relationship been like between you and Jalen? Um, I mean, it's all love, and then we all here, you know, to represent um, the club and then uh, make sure. Whenever we are given the chance, we make sure we exhibit our talent and then make sure we put the club first. So everyone is ready and then working hard, you know, to be in the um, to be in the um, starting eleven. But 
I mean, at the end of the day, you know, not all 22 will start, 11 will start, and then we'll have um, other players on the bench. So, so, I mean, it's all patience and then hard working. And then, as you said, uh, healthy competition helps a lot. So that's one thing we keep um, grinding on. Obviously, when you think about the way the season started, the fact that you were sometimes on the bench, sometimes not necessarily getting involved in games, what did you have to look inside with your own game to, to try and tweak or alter to not only fit the game model, but prove to the coaching staff that, that you were worthy of minutes and inclusion with this side? Okay, for me, one thing I know in, um, I mean, in life in general is um, being patient, you know, and then um, working hard. I mean, you keep your mouth shut and then you work hard. Um, and your time will always come, you know, no matter what. So, I mean, I'm not the loud person, you know. I don't, like, talk outside the game. I'm, I make sure I give everything on the pitch. So, um, at the end of the day, when the coach makes his um, selection and then I'm in or I'm out, I still, you know, put my head up and then make sure I work uh, week in, week out. So, I mean, um, that's one thing of um, I've experienced in life, and then it's helping me a lot. So, it's uh, it's great to have somebody like you who has experience in this league, and, and I think it's invaluable when you go up against these sides, especially for the first time. Uh, you know, a Columbus side like the one you saw last week. I'm sure you were able to uh, kind of give guys a little bit of the insight and the details and into how you penetrate a side like that. What has it been like trying to escort a lot of these first-time MLS players into this league, which, as you know, is very, very unique when you compare it to the other leagues in South America and Europe and elsewhere? Yeah, to be honest, um, this league is not easy at all. You know, um, when you sit back and then you watch, you might say you come here to a tie or something, but um, when you get on the on the pitch, it's, it's a different thing. Like. You need to run. You need to run every time, and then um, uh, make sure you like you play well as well, because um, there are people watching. So, I mean, it's not an easy um, competition at all. So, what makes it so hard? Yeah, as I said earlier, you you might sit at home and then think, you know, MLS is just coming in and then retire, or maybe you'll finish your career here. But you know. There are big names coming in, and then it makes it more competitive. And then everyone also wants to show his talent, you know. So, I mean, it's 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 a great league, and then I believe everyone is enjoying it, and people are also watching. That's why big names are also coming in to make it more more fun. I want to go back in time to the goal you scored in Greenville, which advanced Charlotte FC in its first U.S. Open Cup. I know that when I talked to you after the contest, you had you know just that glowing smile and, and just having the ability to, to get that goal in that moment. How, how much did that process and, and that particular game draw the squad together? Because that was a lot of guys who either hadn't been in the team yet and, and fighting towards that. I know Jan got a lot of minutes in the game as the DJ, and, and there were a lot of players who were not necessarily – household names yet to Charlotte FC fans, but that opened a lot of people's eyes to some players and yourself included that uh, know that they can contribute for this side. I mean, it's it's always um, good to be patient and then uh, wait for the opportunity to come. And then, I mean, when it comes, you grab it and then you move on. So that's one thing I did. And then I believe my other colleagues also who have never um, played also did the same. So, um we don't have to be swollen headed. We have to keep um, working hard and then making sure we put the club first. And then uh, whenever we are called on, you know, make sure we give everything. And I have to ask you at least a little bit about the dance you did after the goal because that was that was pretty <laughs> saucy. That was pretty saucy. Where, where, where did the inspiration come from? Then? I was I was I was tired. I didn't know what to do. It just came through my mind and then I did it. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool that's awesome 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 stuff and i i do feel like when you know andre last week did his little dance move he kind of staked his claim as the best dancer on the team i, I don't know where you feel like the the hierarchy is but but where do you think 
you are vis-a-vis uh, Andre in in that uh, in that sense. You mean in dance competition? Yes. Yeah. As far as far as uh, which one of you is the better dancer? I'm guessing. Um. I mean, I don't know. For me, <laughs> I just enjoy myself when I hear good music. I just you know <laughs> enjoy myself. But uh, for me and Andre, I don't know who is the best. Maybe. You have to put it on a spot, and then maybe you, you guys will decide. <laughs> I was say we'll have we'll have to get you guys side by side. Um, yeah. <laughs> what what kind of music are we talking? Um, I like Afro beats. Oh, very nice. Yeah, Afro beats, yeah. Uh, I did also want to ask you the the really cool initiative from MLS uh, with the Juneteenth uniforms that they put out uh, last weekend. You know, we saw Jalen wearing them, saw everybody uh, wearing them across the league. You know, what did it mean to you to to have MLS recognize Juneteenth in this manner? I mean, the recognition alone makes it um, more great, you know, because um, uh, we are all part of it and then um, we just have to push it and then make sure um, we enjoy it as um, we are alive and then seeing everything, you know, we just have to uh, to push it and then, um, yeah, enjoy it. And I do feel like the game at large, you know, we, we see the signs in, in the European game and in South America and, and, and the say no to racism stuff, which I, I know in other parts of the world is a harder bridge to travel than, say, maybe even in this country. But but what has it meant to you to see just the league at large, you know, take a, a firm stand and a rub against those types of things? Because I do feel like it's an important message to the game at large uh, to be at least shepherding in that manner. Yeah, I mean, um, they know they know best. And then um, we are just here, you know, to enjoy the game. And then whatever comes in, you know, we support. So for me, I'm just here to enjoy myself and then enjoy the game as it goes. In terms of Montreal, I know it's a team you've seen already before. And I know that, you know, you guys don't think about things like petty things like revenge or whatnot. But, but what, what needs to be better for you? and your team to earn a result against a side that beats you at home? Okay, I think uh, we've not won an away game, if I'm right. So You are correct. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I mean to make, to make playoffs, um, away games really count and then make sure you take points, you know. Um, the fans are always with us at home, and um, uh, away, we don't see the numbers, but I mean, it all depends on us, you know, give everything, whether they are with us or not, you know. We just have to go in there and then stick to the game plan, then make sure uh, we don't concede easy goals, you know, because to play an away game is very difficult. Yeah, so we don't, we make sure we don't concede easy goals and then whenever we get the chances, we make sure we, we score. Well, Harry, you become one of my favorites and, and one of Jess's as well. Uh, we certainly wish you the best of success as we go throughout the season. Thank you, and uh, go get us three points there north of the border in Montreal. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That is Harrison Awful. Uh, real, real great. Uh, very open. Um, I have to ask you what you think in terms of who the better dancer is between him and Shinya. I would say Harrison right off the bat, but after the moves we saw from uh, Andre this weekend after scoring goals, and if he keeps scoring, he'll get plenty of practice. So I'm excited to see what goal celebration we get next from Andre, because it seems like we may have sparked a little dance creation in his goal celebrations, Will. I also want to focus on the fact that something that Caleb Adams brought up um, in his mailbag, people have noticed that the fullbacks are pinching a lot more in. It was something they tried to do a little bit under Miguel on Ramirez, but they didn't get a lot of the forward movement. I think Harrison, somebody who is probably more inclined to go more forward than Jalen Lindsay is. That's not a knock on Jalen. It's just, I think the two different styles of player, but what does that do tactically for Charlotte FC when they have those fullbacks pinch in like that closer to the middle of the pitch? Yeah, so the main reason you do that is to help you solidify your midfield because you're getting more players in there to be involved. You're moving closer in to try and create passing lanes with each other. The other addition when you think about it is if you pinch your fullbacks in, what does that leave outside for your wingers, for the likes of McKinsey Gaines, for the likes of Andre Shinyashiki? I think against the Red Bulls, that method was a lot more successful and we saw a lot more of the rewards from doing that because we saw McKinsey Gaines and Andre Shinyashiki had space for absolute days because 
because of that that they were taking away. We also look back at the goal and you look at the space that you're able to create for the likes of Ben Bender in the midfield. It's a very successful tactic if you can employ it well. However, by moving them inside, that also can create some risks because they are, quote unquote, out of position from a defensive mindset when the counterattack comes on. So I'm enjoying seeing it when it's effective. We need to see the risk and the reward of it to do it well. But I think you're right, Will. One of the reasons we're seeing more of Harry Awful, I know Jalen Lindsay is a fan favorite, but Harrison does seem to have a bit more confidence and feel a bit more natural going forwards at times. But I think Jalen's really going to be motivated by the fact he's been sitting on the bench for a couple of matches. So when he comes in, he's going to be raring to go. And I do think Jalen's the future of the position for Charlotte FC. I know that there were some rumors out there about possibly uh, going and trying to find another right back or, or somebody else who could play fullback with where Charlotte FC is uh, in that re- in that vein right now. I know they're a little thin at that position because of the injuries that had uh, been taken earlier in this season. But I, I do feel like he's somebody who will definitely get his minutes, and, and he's certainly shown his competence at the position, and that being Jalen. But also Harrison is somebody uh, you can't replace that kind of experience uh, on the pitch. We turn the page to Montreal, and I I do feel like this is a different side than the one we saw a couple of weeks ago. They will not have Georgie Mihaljevic, the sensational uh, American international, at their disposal. Uh, they are dealing also with a couple of injuries and guys who have health and safety protocols. But, you know, I go back in time, Jess. This is one that we let get away. I'm not saying that we should have won the contest, but I don't think we showed our best selves against CF Montreal when we played them at home. No, if I remember correctly, that was probably my most frustrated post-game show that I had of the entire season because it was the one match I feel like, like you say, where we let it get away from us. We didn't even go out there and give ourselves the opportunity in that match. We set up very defensively. It failed for us. We didn't show what we were made of. I think that's the way I described it. We just didn't display what Charlotte FC can do. This second time round is an opportunity for us to right that wrong, to go out there and really try and commit to our style of soccer, to commit to the way we want to play the game. And like you say, this is a side that's missing some key pieces. We don't know if we'll be missing any key pieces, obviously, with people coming back from injury and whatnot. But uh, I think this may be the game that we really need to display the growth that we've had from one game to the next, because I don't want to go out there and get knocked off the park or beaten 2-0 again. Now, Montreal has a game tonight in the Canadian Championship semifinals, their equivalent of the U.S. Open Cup, taking on Toronto FC. So Montreal will be coming off a short week. We'll preview that and this weekend's match with our next guest, who's doing a little opposition research with Amy Walsh of TSN Radio in Canada. It is opposition research time on Crown Corner. It's time to go north of the border and learn a little bit about the squad that we do have a little bit of history with. CF Montreal, a 2-0 loss last time around, and Charlotte FC looking for revenge. Amy Walsh from TSN Radio joins us here on Crown Corner. And, Amy, I know that this is a situation where, you know, it's, it's always different when you see these teams for a second time, but it's, uh, it's always good to get the perspective of what's going on north of the border. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Happy to join you guys. So how is this team different than when we last saw them a couple of weeks back? Well, when we faced you guys last time away, that was a big victory. And that was sort of a lot of victories strung together for this team where they won a record eight, uh, eight wins in a row or eight, eight game unbeaten run. Um, so they were on an impressive run then. And they kind of started to sputter a little bit following the victory against you guys. Um, and then they get this long layoff. Like everybody, they get the, the junior national break where they're idle for about, almost three weeks. Um, and some guys who are away with national team duty suffer some injuries. And you guys probably know about Georgie Mihailovic, who went down the FC Cincy game right before the break. Um, and then he, I thought, re-aggravated that ankle injury, but looks like it's a new knee injury. So he'll be out for up to four weeks. Kamal Miller picks up a knock in uh, national team duty against Honduras with Canada. And um, Wilfred Nancy decides last game when they fall to a 10-man Austin team at Stad Saputo, decides to rest the likes of Kyoto and Johnston, also coming off national team duty. So a team that's really deep talent-wise, Wilfred Nancy has lots of choice at his disposal. But I think we're seeing here that the like-for-like substitutions of, of the big guns for this team, the talisman in, 
in Georgi Mihailovic, the sort of the dark horse MVP. You can't just substitute like for like. So it's going to have to be kind of a substitution by committee where a lot of guys are going to have to step up if this team's going to sort of want to grab points, not only at home, but sort of keep up the good run that they've been on in MLS. So obviously we're talking right now about Saturday, but Charlotte FC fans, your opposition has a game tonight in the Canadian Cup. Where do you think your priorities lay? Is that going to be the main focus? And do you think that's then for going to affect the way that you set up against Charlotte? I don't think it will. Wilfred Nancy doesn't like to rotate a whole lot in his squad and any rotation he's sort of made as of late has been due to injuries. And we saw this team have a really comprehensive performance in the quarterfinal against Forge FC, a CPL team from Hamilton, um, who are a very, very good side in their own right and went, uh, went pretty deep in Champions League club play uh, last season. Um, but they didn't put up much of a fight and Wilfred Nancy had new faces in his starting 11, save for Joel Waterman, who is part of his back three, who usually features in the starting 11. So he uses the Canadian championships, Wilfred Nancy, as a, as a way to get minutes to players who, who don't really see the pitch in MLS and also gives James Pantemis kind of the, the quasi number one. He doesn't really like to name a, a number one, but it's been Sebastian Brezza. Um, he hasn't been that convincing, but James Pantemis gets a chance to get some more minutes and sort of prove himself. And that's always going to push your kind of um, number one guy and uh, and also allow for competition within the squad so that when it does come for selection time for important MLS games, that there's a lot of selection or a lot of sort of depth and talent at Wilfred Nancy's disposal. And And interesting, you know, it seems like we always see this with the Canadian Championship because you have the three MLS teams and more often than not, you, you find yourself in a semifinal and, you know, there's always usually one team that goes up against an MLS side and the other side will go up against uh, a non MLS side. So the fact that you have the Toronto Montreal semifinal, does that add a little extra juice tonight for this one? Oh, it always does. Whether it, whether it's hockey and as you well know, or maybe you don't, maybe your fans I don't. I do but, believe uh, okay. me. I plenty, Montreal's, plenty. Montreal is a hockey town. So Montreal and Toronto, is always a huge rivalry, but Montreal, CF Montreal against TFC is a, is a derby of sorts. So there's, there's a lot on the line here and TFC just sort of claiming this weird back to the future 2020 Canadian championships that was just played <laughs> um, a few weeks ago. Um, but CF Montreal, I mean, defeated uh, TFC at BMO Field in 2019. And then they claimed the prize last year. So it means a lot to these guys, you know, it's sort of a, an FA cup of sorts and uh and they take it seriously. And then there's a lot of pride at stake here. So CF Montreal are definitely looking like the better side. If you look at where each team sort of figures in the table, CF Montreal sitting fifth. And I think TFC languishing in 12th, but, um, and some injuries as well on their side, but um, it, it always means so much with, for these two cities to, to go head to head. I think it's interesting, Amy, that you alluded to the fact that goalkeeper has been less than convincing. Defense mm -hmm. has been less than convincing. When you look at the goals against for Montreal, yeah. obviously a little bit high there, the second worst in the Eastern Conference. Where do you think those goals are being leaking from the most? Well, if you look at the beginning of the season, there were a lot of goals gifted. There was a lot of glaring errors, whether that came from Brezza starting the attack out of the back, which Nancy really wants them to do, or sort of a lack of cohesion with that back three, who is most often Miller, Camacho, and Waterman. But they, they shored things up, and I think at the beginning they were sort of straddling uh, the CCL and MLS, and then once they were done with that Champions League run and they were able to focus on league play, they did a lot better and allowed them, I think, to sort of see repetitions and really glean and understanding especially between the personalities back there and a and a guy like Alistair Johnston who's who's done so well with the national team um, but at a young age and he comes in he's usually more of a center back but he plays that wing back position so guys get to know one another a little bit better but now recently you've you haven't seen the glaring errors but you've seen them be vulnerable especially down the seams so you see the goal that Arudi, who used to play for CF Montreal, so it hurt just that little bit more mm. for him to get the goal last week against, against Austin. It's a great ball played in from the left flank, and it looks like Camacho and Waterman are really in control. 
but they're unable to control Rudy's run and the ball landing sort of on him and he, and he definitely sort of chips it over, over Brezza. But uh, it, it's situations like that where it looks like they're in control, but they just don't get the clearance or it's a, a, a simple play where instead of just going along with it, they maybe try to play short and uh, the other team manages to steal it in a box and, and slot it home. So I, I think this team has made progressions, but you still see, you know, if you look at those stats, they've scored a lot of goals, but they've also conceded an awful lot. So I think if they can tighten things up at the back, then they're going to be in good stead. And that's kind of where I want to focus just because of the fact that it seemed like when we saw you guys first, we, we thought that this would be a side that, that almost gives leak. And you mentioned Alistair Johnston. I, I'm still reeling off that, that worldly goal he scored that, against us. Yeah, uh, that, that, that one hurt. I'm not going to lie to you, Amy, but uh, in terms of just where Charlotte FC can take advantage, uh, I know that they'll be able to at least do that without Mihalovic in the lineup. But in terms of, of, places where they're also vulnerable, where do you feel like Montreal is in terms of their current injury situation? Well, they're a team that likes to possess and likes to dictate. So if Charlotte can sort of have the lion's share of possession, Montreal isn't as comfortable out of possession. Um, so they really want to drive the play. And you saw, again, just sort of harking back to this loss against Austin, I think a lot of things came to a head that, that other teams in, in the league are probably taking notice of. So they weren't vertical enough. They can sometimes go in transition, but elect to play laterally or negatively when they should be going. Um, so I don't think you should sort of pick and choose your spots. You have to wait and see what the game gives you. And so Montreal hasn't looked great down the spine in the attack. So the stretch they can get from a guy like Kai Kamara playing up top, who's so good aerially, and he's also good at holding up the ball, same as a Romel Kyoto they're not really utilizing that stretch and being dangerous in behind the other teams. So I think for Charlotte, from your perspective, if I'm going to give you guys a couple of tips um, is, you know, if you can stop Montreal from penetrating with those wingbacks that want to get up high, if offensively you guys can drive and pin those wingbacks kind of deep in their own half or in their own defensive third, then you're probably in pretty good shape in terms of dictating the game and, and probably creating some dangerous chances for yourself. Fantastic. You've given us some great keys from a Charlotte FC perspective. Switch your mindset to what you're more useful, uh, or more used to, rather. If you were in the Montreal locker room before the match on Saturday, what mm -hmm. one piece of advice would you be giving this team? I think that they were outworked um, in that defeat to Austin. So second balls, tackles, aerial battles, all of the blue-collar stuff. I think that CF Montreal can do a lot better and that sort of energy kind of um, aspect of their game could really serve to elevate the other aspects uh, that makes them so dangerous because they can hurt you in a multitude of ways. There's, there's guys, like I mentioned, already mentioned camera, but there's also Torres and there's Miljevic um, and, you know, there's the midfielders, whether Kone checks in or Wanyama, like these are all guys and Lapalainen might be out of COVID protocol and back in there on that left flank. So they can, they can hurt you in, in a myriad of ways. So uh, I think if they really, if I'm Wilfred Nancy, I'm asking my team to win every single battle, to win every single tackle, and just come out on top of all those loose balls. She's an ex-Canadian international. She brings a lot of credibility to her name and uh, gave us a lot of great stuff here with Charlotte FC and CF Montreal coming up this weekend. Uh, we wish you the best of luck tonight, Amy, but uh, I would say not so much on Saturday, if you don't mind. <laughs> That's fine. I will wish you the same sort of mixed messaging with the warm wishes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Good stuff from Amy Walsh of TSN Radio. I feel like she kind of gave us a carbon copy of the optimal game plan, Jess. Listen, she did half my notes for me. Fantastic guest. So knowledgeable. Love the breakdown of the game. And she really summarized the season for Montreal and the fact that they've been their own worst enemy at times, but also that they are a side that is potentially beatable if you can capitalize on those errors. And we talk every week, week in and week out about how important it is that we are able to win those battles in the midfield. It's pretty clear to her as well that that's where this game will be won or lost for either side. I do think there's a different side in Charlotte FC in a positive way than they were against Montreal because what was the one thing that we talked about that 
we thought was a very general frustration under Miguel Angel Ramirez. It's that we did allow teams to have more of the possession in the midfield and in the neutral third without really much resistance. I think that's something that we've tried to clean up. Uh, I know that it probably didn't necessarily play out as well last week against Columbus, but I do feel like against New York, we were able to not only take back possession, tackle the possession away, but also maintain it as much. If we play a game that's similar to that one, I feel like that may mean three points on the road and a steal against Montreal. Yeah, honestly, we need to carbon copy how the midfield played against the New York Red Bulls because we were winning every first ball, every second ball, every third ball. We were physical. We were able to connect in that midfield with the passing lanes, with the distribution, with being on the same page. Bottle whatever we gave them for the New York Red Bulls game and bring that out every week. We also would like to let you know that it's an opportunity for you to vote for the MLS All-Stars. Uh, plenty of candidates for Charlotte FC, including Christian Kalina, Guzman Carujo, and Ben Bender, among others. It is now on MLSsoccer.com. So I have an opportunity for you to vote for an MLS All-Star that will play in that contest against the Liga MX All-Stars later on this season. We'll do the supporter spotlight now with someone from the African Supporters Union, Benedict Jima, and I'm telling you, it's hard to get more energy than our next guest, and he bring, joins us next here on Crown Corner. It is supporters section spotlight time, and we're going to spotlight people who we haven't spotlighted before yet on Crown Corner. It's a real great initiative that's a collaboration with the Supporters Council and the folks at Mint Street Mafia. Benedict Jima is with the African Supporters Union. He is with us here on Crown Corner. He's also part of that great Charlotte FC fan base that we know and love. And Benedict, we thank you so much for taking some time on this, uh, this Wednesday to make this happen. We thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Much appreciated. So in terms of this initiative, what makes it so important for you guys to have this type of collaboration? Because I know this is something that, at least from our standpoint and vantage point, is something I think that's sorely needed, not just with this club, but throughout football in, in worldwide. All right. All right. So just looking at uh, the game of uh, football in general, it's played everywhere. And uh, it, we, look, we can look at the diverse nature of the supporters and the fan base everywhere. So just picking on this initiative was also an opportunity to represent how diverse uh, the fan base of Charlotte FC is and also come together on such an occasion to kind of uh, put our voice out there and showcase what we have here and let people know that, hey, we are together in all these uh, issues, in all these uh, uh, social change, uh, and 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 uh, and um, emancipation, progress for minorities issues. We are all together, and as a fan base, we are in here to support and drive uh, th that kind of change. So, Benedict, obviously, you know, you talk about representation. You talk about having a voice. Tell us a little bit about you. How did you fall in love with the beautiful game? All right. So, uh, I'm from Ghana, West Africa. So, soccer is a religion there. Uh, growing up, we've been playing soccer barefooted. Trust me, that, that was the only toy that we had to play with. The ball was the only toy that we had. Played on fields. When our parents can't find us in the house, they know we are on the field playing soccer. <laughs> so that's, that, 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 that's how it happened. But growing up, of course, I played a little bit at elementary level. Um, couldn't get in the high school level because my parents were all about, hey, be a doctor, be a lawyer. <laughs> So I, I guess um, I couldn't make it to the pitch, but I made it to the stands. I became an ardent supporter. I'm a, I'm a supporter of um, uh, Asante Kotoko in Ghana, Manchester United, and of course here, uh, uh, Charlotte FC. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's great to see the representation that you have uh, on the wall there with both Harrison Awful and Derek Jones, both natives of Ghana. What does it mean to have that uh, that representation on this club? To me, it, it makes me feel at home because anytime I, I, I get in the stands with the Ghana flag, you know, it, it makes me feel a, a part of a larger family, which is the Charlotte uh, FC. I would say the first day I read that uh, Harris Naffle was being signed, I was so excited. Then Derek <laughs> Jones uh, comes on board. And then I run around telling my guys, hey, man, we got some representation here. Pulling all the black people together. Hey, we have our representations here. To me, 
it means a lot. It shows how diverse even our recruitment process is, how diverse uh, uh, we are in our thinking as a, as a soccer club. And, and it kind of brings all the parts together, all the ingredients that we need uh, to, to, to fully represent every sector of our nation, every people from every corner. So that, that, that has always been exciting to, to see them around. Benedict, I love what you said about how growing up you played soccer, all you required was a ball, there was no need for anything extra, it was the most accessible sport. Yeah. Moving to America, soccer is a lot less accessible for youngsters. Do you think this is a problem in America with representation as well, that soccer has become such an expensive sport to play as a child? I, I will say um, it is growing. And, uh, you know, we have the, uh, the NBAs, we have the, uh, um, the baseballs. You know, I mean, these have been the traditional sport. And gradually, soccer is gaining its tanks. Looking at a record of over 74,000 uh, uh, attendance for our inaugural game, it kind of sends a message. Definitely, uh, when the sport was sent to Africa, um, South America, and all these other places, there was that opportunity for growth. And I think um, MLS in general and soccer in general uh, is, is going through that kind of growing pains. And honestly, the progress which has been made is enormous and fantastic. So. I, I, I see it coming, and uh, within the next five, ten years, I, I, MLS is going to be a really big thing on the world stage. And I think, too, th there's a bridge that I think is being built, but I, I'm wondering how you feel about this, Benedict, because I'm wondering what are the other bricks that need to be built that not only have that bridge expand to Africa, expand to Asia, expand to other parts of the world, where this game is truly global and doesn't just stop, you know, once it hits the borders of our country. Okay. So I'll tell you this. When we look at uh, the sport, players come and go, coaches come and go, even owners come and go. They can sell the club, but the fans always stay. And I think that is the, the starting point, an investment into uh, the fan base. Because the fans will send the message out there. Somebody will come watch soccer for the first time and will try to get their kid into, you know what, trying it. What about this sport? Go try it a little bit. So I think um, the fan base is what, where, where, where a lot of investment should go to. These corporate organizations to come in, uh, push the fan base, uh, help us send our message out there. Because on a daily basis, we interact with the people. We are in the, in the bars, we are in the churches, we are in the clubs, we are in all these places and we carry the actual voice of the game. So I think that is where the investment uh, should be, as opposed to uh, building structures. Of course, the structures are good, but when the fan base is strong and even there are no structures, the game will work. So I think that is where um, a lot of focus should be, should be uh, uh, put. Now, I follow the African Supporters Union, obviously, on Instagram. It's a great follow. Everyone should follow you guys. You've had a lot of interaction with players. How yeah. special do you think it is that our players at Charlotte Football Club take the time to get to know the fans, to take those selfies, to listen to conversations with you. Is that a really important part of this club? Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, they are idols. You know, when we see them, we see the game. We see ourselves in them. And obviously, they represent our passion. They represent our excitement. Hey, when we lose a game, everybody is down. So we, 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 we kind of both need each other to survive. So anytime we see them out there and they take that time, interact with us it makes us feel uh, uh, uh as we are part of that bigger family maybe it could be just one person in that corner in the stands who has never had any direct interaction with the game but just meeting a player face to face you know there's just energy that enters you there's this new renewed passion renewed faith renewed excitement so trust me that is about uh, 110 percent of the game for us as fans, because we want to interact with them as much as possible. So yeah, definitely, it means a lot to us as, as fans. What I might ask you here now, uh, Benedict, it might be akin to a Sophie's Choice. Um, which moment was better for you? Harrison Awful's game winner against Greenville or DJ's uh, poke from Sergio uh, to get the victory against New York Red Bulls? Wow, you're trying to get me in trouble. <laughs> difficult questions. No, I'm quite sure DJ is watching, and uh, and Harrison is like, okay, 
We just had Harrison on the air. I asked him about it. So. Yeah, Harrison here. Uh, they just, and they, they're going to go like, okay, pick one. So we can deal with you. Because I have a very cordial relationship uh, with, with, with both of them. I, I will say um, maybe Harrison will be a little mad. But on that stage where uh, DJ came in and scored his debut goal in the league as a professional who has been playing for all, 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 all these years, I think it wasn't even just great for me. It was great for Harrison too. See how he run uh, mm -hmm. from, from the bench to come hug him. He gave him the first hug, right? So it kind of meant a lot to him, to me, to all the African community, the black community and, and everybody. So I, I'll pick that one. I'll pick that one because I think Harrison has had his- uh, The celebration as well. I think that was my favorite team celebration of the entire season. Everyone was so happy for DJ, it was awesome. Exactly, exactly, because you see people coming from everywhere. Everybody was trying to get in there. And I will say it also represents who he is as a person uh, in the locker room, how he interacts with mm -hmm. everybody and, and, and kind of the kind of excitement uh, he generates and all that. Sometimes you see some of the dances they, they do when they are in the locker room, all these African dancers, Zonto and all that. And, 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 and that is the kind of uh, team that we want. That is the kind of excitement that we want. And when we come, we leave our houses to come to the stadium. That is the kind of energy that we want to feed off. Well, Benedict, uh, your energy itself is infectious. Uh, we certainly love having you on. Uh, we are going to have you on again. That is a promise. Uh, thank you so much for the time. Uh, thank you also for wearing the uh, the Unity kit, which uh, is being sold right now at Charlotte FC's team store. Uh, fantastic stuff from you, man. And uh, we continue to love all the stuff that you guys are doing with the African Supporters Union. Uh, once again, remind folks how they can get in touch with you guys. Uh, all right. Uh, so uh, reach out uh, to us on Instagram, Charlotte FC ASU. And uh, definitely, we will be more than excited to support you, get you in there, and, and, and you know, get you all excited and get into our programs as we go. But I also want to thank you, uh, Jessica and Will, uh, for having me. It was really, I was really excited to. to you are brilliant. You can come back anytime you want, Benedict. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Benedict. All right. I love that dude. I love that dude. Yeah. Really good energy, really passionate about the club, and it's so important for the African Supporters Union to exist. And they have an incredible figurehead. And like we say, I definitely think we'll showcase him again as soon as possible. All right. So Montreal this weekend, our coverage on WFNZ and the Charlotte FC radio network. It's underway at 7. It's another 7.30 kick, second week in a row with that. So a little bit later on than we normally would. Uh, I This one's hard to read for me. And I think a lot of it will be dictated on what we see tonight from Montreal because – like you said, I think we both had a lot of confidence going into that game at home, and we just kind of felt somewhat hard done by the result at home, and they don't have Mihalovic. I really don't know how to read this squad yet. I, I think I think maybe we can get ourselves our first home, our first road victory this weekend in Canada. I've been saying that every week, so I'm not going to say it this week. I'm definitely not going to say it. I think it'll be, a, it'll be a tough competition. We know Montreal has a lot of uh, powerful players, even with the parts that they're missing. They're going to be a difficult opposition. It's a long way to travel, but who knows what's going to happen. I think it just depends which Charlotte Football Club shows up and the approach that we take to this match. But again, if we can replicate how we played against the New York Red Bulls just on the road, I think that it would be a good performance from the boys. It'll be hard to, to figure out, too, who starts up front because you get the re-inclusion of Karol Svidersky. You get the re-inclusion of Camille Josviak. A lot of people want to see uh, Karen Vargas. There's obviously Gaines, who's played very, very well in two consecutive contests. Obviously, Shinoshiki scored as well. Um, I'm very curious to see what kind of lineup is rolled out there by Christian Latanzio just because I do think that there might be some squad rotation this weekend just because of those new guys coming back off international break. And I think it's important those guys do get in the lineup and they do get minutes because you want to see them in real match action. You can only see so much in practice. And, you know, the likes of Karas Vidersky, who want to make it to the World Cup, aren't going to be happy with bench warming. And, and look, Daniel Rios has been good, but I think Karas Vidersky has something a little special when it comes to his on-the-ball play, on his ability to turn and run. So looking forward to hopefully seeing Carroll back out there. Yeah, so am I. And, you know, it's also something, too, where I feel like this this squad has shown over the last two weeks, and Latanzo talked about it, they've shown their depth. And I think the way that they held the line against New York Red Bulls, I think, is a true testament to that. And I do feel like 
the fact that we've had basically a different line of every contest except for the last two contests, I do feel like is a testament to that depth as well, Jess. Yeah, definitely. We've got players that have all got minutes under them. I would like to see some consistency when it's possible, but we have to know our best 11 before you can be consistent. And we've got to get everyone back from injury as well. So who knows who we're going to put out there? I'll be excited to see the lineup. And I think once we see the lineup, we'll know a little bit more about the approach to this game plan uh, from the get-go. So the game tonight between Montreal and Toronto Canadian Championship. We'll be watching that to see what Montreal looks like. We will see them on Saturday. Don't forget also Thursday night, our next home contest a week from tomorrow against Austin FC, a Thursday night kick, uh, one of our two midweek home matchups as well at Bank of America Stadium. So be sure to be watching out for that. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks to Benedict Gima. Thanks to Amy Walsh. Thanks to also Harrison Awful. Thank you as well for joining us. And thank you, Jess. We'll talk to you on Saturday. Absolutely. Have a good one, everyone. Take care. Thanks for joining us.